When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Episode 111 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk. First and foremost, hope you're having a good week. Hope you guys have enjoyed the last few episodes. It seems like based on the feedback I've been getting, uh, based on uh, takes I've been receiving, um, it's been all positive. I really appreciate it. You guys love the draft. You love the free agency period. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, they're, they're always two of our best shows of the year to do. You guys reciprocate that. It is much appreciated. Your support always, but especially during times like this where the NBA is as popular as it gets. So again, we had a crazy last couple of weeks with the draft breakdown, with free agency, with trades, a lot of moving pieces. Um, this week, not as much. Uh, we'll get to some of the bigger storylines. The Knicks have just kind of been finalizing a lot of these deals that we've anticipated them putting together, but we've also got to see them a little bit in Summer League. Something I haven't really talked about a lot on this show, and probably for good reason, is Summer League. But we'll talk a little Summer League this week. We'll get to some of the news and notes from around the Knicks, from around the NBA, and a crazy story off the court I think uh, is worth mentioning when the news hasn't been as flowing as it's been the last couple of weeks. So we'll get to all that later on in the show real quick just because i was a little inspired this week i just want to talk a little bit about expectations for this knicks team this season only because you know the last couple of weeks because because there's been the draft because there's been you know a lot of publications whether it's domestically or even it's amazing how global the nba is overseas obviously where there's publications writing plenty of articles plenty of content about the NBA, whether it's in Europe, whether it's in Asia, South America, Africa, it's amazing. It really is amazing how global the game has gotten. Um, you know, I've had I've had multiple people from those kind of publications domestically and even abroad, believe it or not, you know, asking my thoughts on the Knicks season, and, and it's one of those things where I hadn't really thought about it that in depth. I mean, I think part of it is there's still a lot that can happen with the Knicks roster potentially and other rosters. Although even if the Knicks stand pat, they're in really good shape, um, which is the beauty of the deals they've signed, the beauty of the the personnel they've brought in and the, the needs they've addressed. And I've talked about this the last couple of weeks, but 
you know, what what should the expectations be for this team? Now, I think it's a little early, obviously, because of the fact that, you know, we haven't really seen a ton of this team together, obviously, at all. The signings are still being put together, obviously. We've just seen, you know, Nerlens Noel's re-signing confirmed, Kemba Walker's signing confirmed, things like that. But just bear with me for a moment. I'm not going to talk a ton about this, but it just... It, it just being reached out to and asked about it, it made me think a little bit about it or start to think a little bit about it. So these are very early thoughts, obviously. But I think this team is good enough to improve on what, what last year's team did. I think that's the beauty of what Tom Thibodeau has done. And, and I think that this this part of this podcast is really just more of a, a, a tip of the cap to what Tom Thibodeau has done to improve this team. You know, I, I think adding Evan Fournier and adding Kemba Walker are two huge upgrades. I think now Alfred Payton and Frank Nilakina can kind of be lost memories now, and you can really move forward with a couple of really big pieces, adding on to a Julius Randle contract extension, the re-signing of Derrick Rose, the re-signing of Nerlens Noel, which I felt was as important as any free agency move the Knicks could make this offseason, and the re-signing of Alec Burks, who could be a very crucial depth piece off the bench and to, to team-friendly contracts. And I, and I think that that all is crucial to what Tom Thibodeau is trying to build here. Remember, it's only year two under Tom Thibodeau. I think that's worth remembering here. And, and because that first year was so amazing, you could, you, could, you could maybe chalk it, you know, if you're looking at it in a bubble, right, you could say, man, that must have been Tom Thibodeau's third season, right? He's, he's took a couple seasons to figure it out. no. He came in in one year and made the Knicks the fourth best team in the East in the regular season and got them to the playoffs for the first time in almost 10 years. In one year. So it's it's amazing what he was able to do, and now he's got the pieces to improve on that. And I, and I think early thoughts there just make me feel like, listen, this is a team that could make a run in the playoffs. They are. They really are. And listen... The Hawks have have stayed have have re-signed a lot of their guys and they're looking to add as well. Um, you look at uh, obviously the the tough teams in the East include the defending champion Bucks, the Philadelphia 76ers, depending on what they do, uh, will definitely be in the mix, no question about that. And the Brooklyn Nets, if they stay healthy, are probably the best team in the East. But I think then you look at the Knicks. I think they're right there with the Hawks. I really do. Now that they've added to their backcourt, I think they're right there. I really do. I think that they're going to be able to compete with Atlanta, whether it's in the regular season where they already beat out Atlanta, and in the playoffs where Atlanta beat the Knicks out. So I think it's going to be one of those things where the Knicks have really done a good job adding where they've needed to add to make up some of that ground. Obviously, I still think the Knicks are a piece away. I do. I think the Knicks are a piece away if you're talking about NBA championship. You know, if you're talking about a title contender. I don't think the Knicks are on that level. I don't. I think Giannis and company, the Nets, I think they're well above it. I think you would still put Philly, even if Ben Simmons stays, just slightly ahead of the Knicks. And I and I think the Hawks are probably level pegging right now with the Knicks. I think those are the, the that's the, the way the tiers, I think, work right now. In the East, and then and then you look at a couple of of the others. Obviously, I think we'll see on Miami. I think Miami is going to be a team that you know I'm not too sure about. They've got a lot to prove after the way their regular season and postseason ended. It was pretty embarrassing the way it ended for Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley's squad. So they've they've addressed some of their 
issues. They've re-signed some of their pieces, but they're a team I, I worry about a little bit because I just don't know if they're going to be able to replicate what they did in the bubble. And, and I know a lot of people don't like you know just chalking it up to that. They still had a good regular season. They still were able to deal... Well, they dealt with injuries a little bit as well, but getting swept by Milwaukee is embarrassing. I know that the Bucks won the title, but that was there was a very similar team, True Holiday excluded obviously, that the Heat beat in the playoffs convincingly a season ago. So I, I think that's not just the Bucks getting better. I think that's Miami Heat regressing a little bit and having to try to kind of find it again uh, as we saw when they got to the finals in the bubble. So they're that they're that kind of sixth team. You know, in the East, what are they going to bring to the table? It's going to be interesting to see. Resigning Jimmy Butler is a bit of a risk because of his age. They re-signed Duncan Robinson on a huge deal that they believe he's earned, obviously. So, and we'll see. They've mixed and matched when it comes to some of their pieces. I'm very curious to see how they're going to look, right? And I'm going to dive into the Summer League a little bit in a second. But again, that's where the Knicks are at right now. I think they're probably fourth or fifth in the pecking order in the East. And that can stay the same because they have addressed huge needs in the backcourt. By the way, not just through the Fournier and Walker signings, but through the draft as well with Quentin Grimes and Miles McBride, we'll get to in a second in particular. And then obviously we'll see, we'll see what happens as far as the future of Rokas Jakobitis. So I think you look at where the Knicks are in the pecking order, I think it's 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 all positive. I, I think you can be excited and expecting about what this Knicks team can do this season. It was just it was just funny for me to kind of get that that question thrown my way, you know, this early in the off season. I should, should say this this portion of the off season and having to you know legitimately think about it. You know, I think it's worth keeping in the back of your head as summer league moves forward as the Knicks continue to finish up some of these. These moves that they have made during the offseason, we, we will start to kind of see this team slowly but surely come together. So listen, I, I think before we dive in to some other news, we'll quickly run through some of the Knicks Summer League stuff. I'm not going to, you know, scores don't matter. I'm not going to go through that. But it was nice to see some of the draft picks get some run, obviously. I, I think, you know, clearly Tom Thibodeau is really high on Miles McBride. He's played him a lot from the get-go. Same with Quentin Grimes, who didn't look great in the first summer league game. Neither, To be fair, neither did Miles McBride. They both were a little inefficient from the field. They're kind of getting getting it going a little bit. And honestly, you know, they're not playing a great Raptors team in that first summer league game either. So why, why you got to take some of this stuff with a grain of salt? I thought Obi Toppin looked great. I think he's still trying to find himself from behind the arc a little bit, as was Emmanuel quickly, who chucked up a lot of shots, um, specifically from three. But I thought Obi Toppin looked very good in that first summer league game, and we'll get to him a little bit more in a second because he's looked very good throughout all the games, I feel. And then I, I think it was nice to see a little bit from Jericho Sims. I think he showed you a little bit, just a little bit, about what he could potentially bring to this team throughout the regular season. Again, I don't, I don't think we're going to be talking about Jericho Sims in the context of a playoff run potentially but I think that I, I I he's already you know kind of showing you what he can add as a potential piece to this Knicks team whether it's this season 
or in the future. So that was kind of exciting to see. Then the Knicks played the, the, the Lakers in the second of the three summer league games they've played so far. And that's where Emmanuel quickly really played well. We saw more good stuff from OB Toppin, who's had a phenomenal summer league so far. And then really, uh, Miles McBride announced himself a little bit, I felt. He had 22 points, 5 assists, 7 rebounds, very efficient from the field, made all 6 of his 3s. He, he showed you a lot about what he can do. He really did. I, I, him and Quickly combined for 12 assists. Again, it's not a, it's not, you know, we're not talking about a great Laker team that they're going up against here. But they showed a lot. The Knicks showed a lot in this game as far as the younger pieces. Rokas Yakabaitis had eight points. Didn't get to see a ton from him. He had eight points, though, in eight minutes. Not much more you can ask as far as the playing time there. Quentin Grimes had almost a double-double in 32 minutes. Rebounds and points. He He's a player that I think is just going to... Him and Miles McBride just feel like Tibbs guys to me. They, they feel like they could really be the perfect profile for this Knicks team moving forward. I really, again, you know, I I, I talked about a Desumu, a Cooper, right? Because you're looking for, you know, a, a scoring guard. But the Knicks have a guy that could potentially bring that to the table in McBride. And Grimes just is a Tom Thibodeau player. He just fits exactly what Tibbs wants in the backcourt. And then again, you've addressed the scoring with the additions of Fournier and Walker, who can both put the ball in the bucket on a consistent basis. So it, this is, a, you know, for the for the now and the future, the Knicks have done a lot of good stuff as far as that backcourt is concerned. So, uh, and, and we're starting to see some signs of it in the summer league. I, I love it. I love it. And I'm loving seeing Toppin and Quickly, you know, continuing to get better. And I think that's the X factor, I think, for this Knicks team, right? Can Obi Toppin have a big year two on this Knicks team? That's a big X factor. We saw him kind of come on a little bit towards the end of the regular season. He had a couple of playoff moments that were memorable as well. But I, I think that if he has a, a, a big improvement in year two, then this Knicks team becomes very dangerous. They become very, very tough to deal with. Because then you have multiple inside guys that can attack on both ends of the floor. So that would be a very, very big deal, obviously. But we'll see how it develops with with Obi Toppin moving forward. He played well against Indiana the other night as well in the Summer League. He had 22 points again on 20 shots, had 9 rebounds and a pair of assists as well. Miles McBride again was efficient off the bench. He had 14 points and Emmanuel quickly... Had his best game of the summer league so far, 32 points and 8 assists. That's the other thing. If Quickly can give you some assists, he becomes very, very interesting as well. We didn't get to see a ton uh, from Rokas Yakabaitis, but we've seen like kind of bits and pieces from him. We saw a little bit more from Jericho Sims. I'm not sure. Based on the stats I've seen, I don't know if Jericho Sims has missed a field goal so far. Obviously, a lot of his shots are from inside the paint. But it just shows you, again, as a depth piece and a future piece, what he could potentially bring to the table for this Knicks team. I think then Quentin Grimes was a little inefficient in the last game that we've seen against the Pacers. But I I just, I, I like the early signs I'm seeing. I really like, and this is what the Summer League's about, right? I, the score The scores really don't matter. You know, it's one of those things where we're really just looking to see 
attributes, skills, attitude, fit, and then a little bit of the way the younger guys can run Tom Thibodeau's system against other younger guys that are around their skill level or maybe, depending on who you're talking about, above or below that. So I'm really I'm really excited with what I've seen so far from these guys. Obi Toppin in particular has really impressed me so far. I think Emmanuel quickly looks like he's getting even better, which is great to see. He's got to have a big year too for the Knicks as well. And then I think you look at some of the draft guys. I think you look at Grimes, looking solid. Miles McBride, showing you what he can do as a potential piece on this team. He'll be coming off the bench, obviously, but could make an impact in that role. And then a little bit of the future guys, a little bit of Sims, a little bit of Jakobitis as well. I, I'm loving it. It's all it, For me, this feels all positive to me. I'd love to hear your thoughts I didn't get to watch every minute of the summer league. I apologize for that, but I was able to see enough to to feel really good about some of the draft picks and the future of our second year guys as well, namely Obi Toppin and Emmanuel Quickly. So it's exciting. It's exciting. It's why it's it's why I would hesitate on a on a blockbuster Lillard trade because Quickly in particular, Toppin as well, R.J. Barrett. These are guys, man, that you just, you'd love to have this core be the group. You'd love to have this core be the group that leads the Knicks back to the promised land. They feel like a really, like a, they're on the, we're on the, you know, the ground floor of a really good group. That's what it feels like right now. And you've added Grimes to that. You've added McBride to that. Jakobitis and Sims trying to work their way into that conversation as well. I, I'm loving it. I'm absolutely thrilled with some of the early signs we're seeing from the new additions, obviously, through the draft, the second year guys, and then obviously the big stars that will come in, the, the you know, those fringe stars like a Fournier and a Walker that could really help impact the team in a positive manner. So it, it's, it, again, a lot of positives in my opinion. You guys let me know what you think so far of the Summer League. I Listen, I, I think that when you start to look at this team as a whole, and I think right, I mentioned a possible wild card, right, being the development in year two of Ob Top, and you can throw Emmanuel quickly into that conversation as well. But I think we anticipate him getting better in year two. It's whether or not Ob Toppin can take a big step that some are expecting from him, and we saw the signs of coming in at the at the latter part of last season. But then you look at obviously potentially bringing back Mitchell Robinson into this fold. What is his role going to be? I think that was partly the reason why Jericho Sims was drafted. I think you're trying to figure out, is Mitchell Robinson going to show you the positive signs specifically on the defensive end and working his way forward progressively on the offensive end? Can he be a piece in, in this rotation that makes an impact again? I, obviously, I think he's young enough. The answer is yes, but what will that look like? I think that's going to be a big early, like first few months of the season conversation is can Mitchell Robinson really be a massive cog in what this team does? Because Nerland's Noel is just, you know, he's earned that contract. You know, Nerland's Noel has more than earned a spot on this team because of that defensive ability that he brings to the table, you know, and Mitchell Robinson's going to have to, you know, it's not going to be easy for him to get minutes now particularly as a starter. So 
But it's good. It's great for the squad. It, you know, that's the thing, right? People sometimes, you know, the, 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 the saying, right, is when you've got two quarterbacks in the NFL, you've got none, right? You got to make up your mind, right? I, I, when it comes to the NBA, I think of when you've got multiple options at a position, that's not always great because you got to define who's the starter, who's the bench guy that's going to get a lot of the minutes, and then potentially who's going to be a, a bit part off the bench in a third string role, right? But when you've got the right coach, that competition inside of the team, inside of the squad and the rotation is extremely beneficial because the coach knows what he wants. He's got an idea of the pecking order. And then all he has to say is, all right, so-and-so's earned their spot. There's enough pieces where Tom Thibodeau really can can leave it up to the performance of the players in practice and in, in the game, right? A, a lot of people ripped him for starting Alfred Payton a lot last year. Well, Emmanuel quickly had to had to earn that spot. You know, Tom Thibodeau is not just going to give that to anybody. He he went for the experienced guy. Most of the time, to be fair to the fans, it didn't work out. So towards the end of the season, he said, "All right, you know, we, we've got Derrick Rose here. We've got Emmanuel quickly. We're going to play them more often." And that's what happened towards the end of the regular season, specifically, really where it made the, the most sense was in the playoffs. You had to do it. You had to do it. And now where you've, where you've really added is to bring depth to those positions. And that just makes the competition even bigger and better. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to lift the whole team up. That kind of competition inside the squad that's positive, where everyone, it, it's not, I wouldn't say it's friendly competition because there's money on the line, there's, there's pride in spots on the line. You want to earn your spot in the lineup, right? But it's positive it's positive back and forth. It's positive competition. And you got to have the right coach for that to be in place. So that's that's the beauty of this, right? The depth is really competition for places in the starting lineup. And I think that it's great to see the Knicks starting to develop that on a higher and higher level under Tom Thibodeau. And that's only going to help the culture of the locker room get better. So it's exciting to see. It's exciting to see where the Knicks are at with the young guys, the second-year guys, and, of course, the returning guys. We'll see how they fit with the younger guys as the offseason and then as we get closer to the regular season as all of that develops. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, more news from around the NBA and a story that you may have missed off the court that was wild and luckily had an ha- l- luckily, very luckily had a happy ending. All that and more is next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Okay, second half of the show, we'll dive into some NBA headlines here, and we'll get to that crazy story off the court as well that luckily had a happy ending. Um, First and foremost, just a couple of couple of quick ones here. Uh, apparently, Damian Lillard uh, bet a fan on Twitter. Tongue-in-cheek, of course. Make, make, make sh- I'm making sure that that's very much apparent here. That 
basically bet a fan a million dollars that he wasn't going to join the Lakers during this offseason. And, and that's really the last big shoe to drop during this offseason is whether or not Damian Lillard is going to get traded from the Portland Trailblazers. The Knicks are still somewhat in the mix. I think the Sixers would probably be the favorites at this point. And there's a couple other teams that are there's somewhat in there, you know, as far as that conversation is concerned. But the Lakers, and it's well well documented now by multiple uh, media outlets and just by looking it up, the Lakers are out of space. They got no more room on this roster. Uh, the Russell Westbrook trade <laughs> took up a ton of cap space. Um, and Anthony Davis and LeBron James, I think along with Russell Westbrook, and this is from Bleacher Report, they're going to make uh, over $120 million dollars next year alone, just between them. So there's no room for Damian Lillard to be added to this roster. So it's not going to happen, at least not with the Lakers. But then you start to look in other places. Again, we meant, we've mentioned the Knicks. We've mentioned the Sixers. Those are the most likely the Mavs have sort of been, at least you look at the sports books, they're sort of in the conversation. I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. I, to be honest, if you if you told me today you've got to make a decision, right, as to whether or not Damian Lillard is going to be traded during this offseason, my guess would be, would be a no. I, I think he would probably stay with the Blazers, honestly, if you... You know, we're telling me that, I'll say this, if I had to make a decision today, right, that's what I would say. I would say he'd stay in Portland. Now, there's still time. It Things can still happen, obviously. But I think for the time being, it would be hard to envision a team coming to a conclusion and basically trading away a ton of their assets for Damian Lillard. Again, I, I think in that regard, right? Let me just, we'll stay on this for a second because I do want to get to another big NBA headline. We'll get to that crazy story that luckily had a happy ending as well. I, I think when it comes to Damian Lillard, you're going to have to give up quite a bit to get him. So that that's first and foremost, right? That knowledge right there, Despite how great Damian Lillard is, he's a top 10, arguably top 5 player in the NBA right now. I think there's not much of a debate about that. I think that you look at what the Knicks could provide, you look at what the Sixers could provide, and then you look at some of the other teams in the East and in the West that could be in the mix here. I think the Sixers have the best shot. I think but personnel-wise, if you're looking around the NBA, not only teams that are interested, but just in general, fit, finances, and personnel that would go the other way, I think I think Philly makes the most sense. I, I, I really do. I think because Ben Simmons would potentially be in that deal, it would be hard to say anybody else can do better than that. You know, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of wiggle room there after the Sixers. I think you could argue the Knicks are next, but the Knicks should be shipping their future for Damian Lillard and basically blowing up what they've just done over the last year and a half, essentially under Tom Thibodeau. 
So I, I that would be that's a lot to ask. That's a lot to ask considering the Knicks have again pushed it forward in in a good direction with what they've done in the draft and what they've done in free agencies. So I I just think that this personnel-wise makes a lot of sense for the Sixers. They 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 clearly are done with Ben Simmons. Damian Lillard with Doc Rivers would be a heck of a, tri- a heck of a duo and then trio as far as adding Joel Embiid into that mix. I just don't know if the Sixers are going to pull the trigger. I think that's the biggest question. Will the Sixers find the deal that works the best for them and and say, "All right, we're doing it." I think they want to do it, but I think they want the right deal as well. And you can't always get what you want. I think that that's the thing that that's going to be interesting, right? Will which team will blink first here? Because honestly, again, I don't have any insider info here. I think if a team's going to do it, I think it's going to be the Sixers because they have to almost. They almost have to do it. They have the most pressure to do this deal because of Ben Simmons not coming through in the playoffs, specifically from the free throw line and at times from inside five feet where he just looks like he can't figure it out. And uh, and from three-point land, can't forget that either. Where Portland, you know, has got to be thinking, you know, we do also have to make this deal, not right away, but at some point, clearly Damian Lillard does not want to stick around. We can't give him the help that he wants. So that means that they're going to have to figure out a way to get rid of him for a big time profit. And rightfully so. You're 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 if you were to do it this offseason, you're trading arguably a top five player in his prime. For four years. So you're going to be asking for the moon and the stars for that. And I think the Sixers are in the best position to do it because they've got a core in place. They're looking to upgrade a piece of that core, namely Ben Simmons. And there's no better option out there than Damian Lillard. So we'll we'll have to see how that goes. And that reminds me, obviously, that the Kawhi Leonard saga is not quite done yet. I think... Last, last thing I read about it was that it sounds like he's more likely than not going to re-sign a new deal with the Clippers, but we'll have to see. We'll have to see. The Knicks are slightly in that situation as well. So it's a, it's a bit of a waiting game as far as what the Knicks could do there. Um, it would cost a lot. The Knicks have some cap space available. And again, the, the, the deals are team-friendly in setting, setting the Knicks up, whether it's this offseason or next offseason, to make a big move still. So it's one of those things where I think you look at what the Knicks have done. It's a great thing for the now and for the future of this franchise. And I think Tom Thibodeau and company have got to feel very good about where they're at. But again, just quickly back to Kawhi here. It feels more likely than not that he's going to re-sign. His team just got to the Western Conference Finals for the first time ever in that franchise's history without him for a big chunk of that playoff run, namely the last, what, five or six games of that Jazz series or whatever. I'm forgetting now, maybe the whole series. But Kawhi Leonard did not play a big part in that series. And the the Clippers got to where they wanted to get without him. I think obviously they're disappointed 
that they didn't make the playoffs. Sorry, they didn't make the playoffs. That they didn't make the finals. They came two wins short. But I, I think that re-signing Kawhi with what's around them makes them a, t- a top three team in the West. I really do. I think you look at the Lakers. I think you look at, at Phoenix. And I think you would then look at the Clippers out West. Obviously, Denver is going to be in that conversation with Jamal Murray being reintroduced into the fold or coming off of his injury. The Utah Jazz will certainly be tough to deal with after being the team with the best record in the league for a good portion of last season. And, you know, being a couple wins themselves away from getting to a Western Conference Finals. So I think that that's all worth keeping in mind as the season approaches. The West is still going to be really deep. I'll get to the Mavs in a second. They made some news this week, but the Mavs are going to be in that conversation as well after they almost beat the Clippers in the first round and really could have facilitated a blow up of that team before they really turned it around. So I listen, it's exciting stuff. I, I think both conferences now you could argue have a legit six at the top of the conference. You know, I, I think in the East you look at the Bucks, the defending champs, you look at the Sixers as well the nets are going to be possibly the favorites in the entire nba next season i think then you look at the knicks you look at the hawks and you look at the heat six bona fide contenders in that eastern conference no question about it they will all be in the mix and then you'll look at a rebuilding boston you'll look at charlotte who will try to stay in the mix as well they'll be better you would assume then you would look at maybe an indiana in orlando after that so we'll see that the east is very good and then you shift focus to the west you've got the clippers and the lakers the suns are right there the jazz the nuggets and dallas are six right off the bat that are going to be very much in it memphis is probably going to be better golden state you could argue is even higher than maybe the jazz team when they're fully healthy so you could our our Obviously, you would still argue, that's say that five times fast, that the top eight in the West is better than the top eight in the East. And I'm not arguing that, but I think you look at the top six in both conferences, and it's pretty darn good. I think the East is as deep as it's been in a decade, potentially, if things go their way this season. It's that good. There are six legitimate teams in that Eastern Conference. And then in the West, again, it stays as deep as ever with about eight, nine teams. And I think you, you'll you have to see what happens with that Pelicans team, obviously. They're, they're going through a lot of transition, but, but could still very well be in that mix, obviously. And then in the East, honestly, the wild card right now is probably the Bulls at the moment with what they've done during the offseason, trading for DeMar DeRozan, adding Lonzo Ball to the fold. And then obviously you look at what Zach Levine brings to the table when he's healthy. So I, I think that is definitely worth keeping in mind as this offseason rolls on. Um, I, I think you know what's worth keeping in mind is the latest 
is that Laurie Markkinen is still in limbo at the moment. Um, if he returns to the Bulls, that would be very interesting. Although the Celtics have shown interest in him as well. So we will wait to see. We will wait to see how that all goes down, obviously. Um, speaking of Boston, Dennis Schroeder signed a one-year deal with the Celtics on Tuesday, according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. So the Celtics are trying to stay relevant. They're trying to, despite losing Fournier and Kemba Walker to the Knicks, two big pieces, they're obviously trying to, to make up some of that damage. They've got still a very good core with Tatum, Brown, and Smart in place. They'll have a new coach in Ime Udoka. We'll see how that goes as Brad Stevens still inexplicably, as far as I'm concerned, moving up to the front office of the Celtics. So, yeah, he clearly thought it was the best choice for him and his family and fair play to him, but I would have loved to have seen him stay as a coach, even as a fan of a rival team. So we wait and see because now that that shoe is dropped, that the next shoe to drop on the free agency side of things is going to be Kawhi Leonard. And then it's going to be Laurie Markkinen. And listen, it looks like Kawhi Leonard, you know, it's going to be it's, it's going to be the Clippers basically. It's not a done deal, but it's pretty close. We'll see what happens with Laurie Markkinen. He's the next big shoe to drop where we're not entirely sure where he's going to end up. So the Bulls are very much, you know, that's basically a roundabout weighing of saying the Bulls could be that seventh team in the East this season. They've done well to reload things and we'll have to wait and see how that all turns out. Uh, real quick, before we wrap things up, uh, the other big re-signing, or I should say the extension uh, Luka Doncic has signed a five-year, $207 million uh, Supermax rookie extension, and it's the largest guaranteed Supermax, Supermax rookie extension in history. So clearly because of the add-ons he got from being All-NBA and an All-Star and things like that, that is up to the money that he's owed potentially in a Supermax rookie extension, and he signs the deal with Dallas to stay there for the foreseeable future. So the the Jason Kidd hire gets Mark Cuban and company what they wanted. They get their star, arguably the next face of the NBA, and Luka Doncic to stay in Dallas, and I think that was the biggest thing for them. They needed to keep him. They want to keep him for the long term, and it looks like that is going to happen. And remember, one last thing on that, Luka Doncic... Uh, is still pretty darn young. I, I don't have his age in front of me. I'll find it. He's 22 years old. So he, he's he's got a heck of a time left to be that guy. So we will see. We'll see. The next thing for, for Luka is winning a playoff series. That That's the next big thing for him. He's obviously, the West is so tough. Uh, two very good teams uh, two very good versions of the Clippers, I should say, have knocked him out. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but for now, it, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a heck of a race in the West and the East is really shaping up to be very very intriguing 
going in to next season. Okay, with all that being said, let's wrap things up with a quick story. This was a crazy thing to read about um, just a few minutes before I started recording, actually. Um, basically, and, and the footage is actually on a security cam um, from Andre Drummond. I don't know if anyone has seen this yet. Uh, by the time the podcast goes out, it's on his Twitter account on a Ring security camera. He basically saved his son from drowning in the pool, which I believe is located in his backyard. And I'm rewatching it now, actually, um, as I'm describing this. But his son basically is is sitting on the edge of the pool. He drops in, and then Andre Drummond, quick as you'd expect and hope, jumped in and saved him. Um, there was a few other people there as well. He was well supervised, luckily, uh, which is great to see and and was needed to save him. But boy, it looked, you know, you could see the panic on everyone's face uh, when he fell. And he looks so young to the youngster, uh, clearly not <laughs> wearing any floaties or, you know, not able to swim on his own. Um, just great to see that he's okay. And just a little bit of an off the court uh, situation as well. Andre Drummond, of course, just signed with Philly during the off season. Um, so just the best of just wishing the best of luck to him and his family moving forward. That's a gosh, a, as he put it, this is, these are his words, a parent's worst nightmare. I can only imagine what must have been going through his head when his son fell into the pool. So good to see that he and his son in particular are okay and that they're going to be just fine moving forward. So I wanted to kind of end it on a bit of an off the court, happy note and wish the best of luck to the entire Drummond family, particularly particularly the little guy who's going to be just fine. So kudos to them for being uh, alert there and obviously wish him and the kid the best of luck moving forward. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the podcast. Guys, thank you so much as always for listening to the show, interacting with me, whether it's on social media at SJ7 or in the posting and toasting com comments section under the shock shock nicks podcast articles where we post the show every week at 9 a.m on a friday you guys are the best i really mean that you guys have shown this podcast so much support from day one i can't thank you guys enough let me know what you think about the nicks expectations for this upcoming season what you think about teams out west teams in the east competition for the knicks as well as far as that goes And let me know what you think about what could possibly happen moving forward, whether it's via a trade or regular free agency as the offseason moves on. And let me know what you think about the Knicks youngsters in Summer League and moving forward. Thank you guys as always for listening, and I will see you guys next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.